0: G'day everyone, coming up this week on Garden Guy Dale K's Big Backyard, it's almost summertime and that means two things here in the upper Midwest. First, it's time to grow your own strawberries and secondly, how to keep your plants cool over summer. Garden questions and my plan of the week, all this and a whole lot more coming up on Garden Guy Dale K's Big Backyard. G'day everyone, hope you had a great week. I had a fantastic week, got a little bit of gardening done, actually had to tie up my tomatoes for the first time yesterday, so we've had a good stretch of warm weather where I am, and I hope you've had some beautiful gardening weather wherever you're listening to this podcast. So tomatoes love a little bit of warm weather, they thrive on it, actually you can almost watch the cucumbers and squash, zucchini, all that kind of fun stuff grow overnight, and in fact... A little tidbit of information, all those types of plants, your zucchinis, your cucumbers, pumpkins, they all put on a lot of growth in the evening hours. So that's kind of a fun little tidbit. Another fun little tidbit is strawberries are the only fruit with seeds on the outside of the of the actual fruit itself. Most seeds are contained on the inside. These guys produce them right on the outside, and it gives them that really distinct look not only that bright red color but also the seeds on the outside and summertime here in the upper midwest that really is berry season whether you're growing blueberries or strawberries on this week's podcast i want to concentrate a little bit on strawberries because it's kind of one of my actually it's they're both my favorite fruits but i just love that intense kind of red color in the landscape when you're growing your own strawberries if you have a gardening question or want to reach out to me, easy to do on Instagram, Dale Okay Garden Guy. You can message me right there or follow along with me as we do a little bit of gardening together on Instagram as well. Okay, so there are two different types of strawberries. There's those that are June bearing. And then those that are ever bearing and when you go to your strawberry patch they're usually growing the varieties that are June bearing because they have that one flush uh, that one main heavy fruiting season and then you go out and pick and pick and pick and then they're kind of done they usually move on to some other uh, some other activities there is also some varieties that you can plant in your garden that are a little bit more continual Uh, they don't have that real heavy um, flush of fruit like a June bearing, but they're more consistent throughout the season, which makes them, I think, an, an asset if you're growing them at home, because all of a sudden, if you've got your own strawberry patch, um, firstly, you know, there's the, there's the inevitable, oh my gosh, you got too many strawberries, but also, uh, sometimes just protecting that crop, um, I find it's a little bit easier when they're just kind of, uh, fruiting throughout the year, um, Critters and birds, I think, pay less attention when there's not as many of them around. So, whichever ones you um, decide to grow, take a pick at the label so you know what you know what you're getting. A couple of good varieties that you can look out for in your favorite local garden shop, if you're looking for an everbearing, and that's really from about you know mid June, late June into early summer. Fort Laramie is a wonderful variety it's a little bit smaller fruit but very very um sweet and delicious has a slight little tang to it as well that's a great um everbearing variety and honey oi is another great june bearing that just that one big flush Um, and just like the name honey it's super super sweet and from there you know they're kind of an easy kind of plant to grow and actually if you don't even have a patch to grow, to make a strawberry patch, you can grow them in hanging baskets. You can grow them in containers. Um, of course, you're not going to get quite as many fruit, but if you've got some kids at home, grandkids at home, you can definitely um, pop a little hanging basket of strawberries or <clears throat> a little pot of strawberries and they'll grow quite nicely there, particularly the, uh, the spring flush ones that um, are a little bit heavier. They're always fun to grow. Um, but basically, uh, they're an easy plant to grow and they there's only really two keys to it you need some good sunlight you need about seven hours or thereabouts of sunlight absolutely well-drained soil is a must they don't like wet feet and then side dressing um, or if you're just planting you mix in lots of rotted uh, manure that's really really key it's some you can bang in some compost as well that would be great and if you've got a, a an existing patch, just running down the uh, running down the rows every spring with a good solid organic fertilizer, kind of cultivate that in a little bit um, that would be really nice and then what I like to and I actually talked about this last week with the tomatoes there's that um it's called clean straw. It's basically chopped up straw without the the weed seeds in it, and just putting that around the plants does a couple of things that most importantly it will uh, protect the fruit from spoiling in soil um, but it will also help keep the roots a little bit cooler as well. So summertime is coming in my neck of the woods and that's strawberry season and actually also there's nothing better than visiting um, your own favorite local um, strawberry patch much better than the store-bought strawberries. I know they're store-bought or, you know, the California, Florida strawberries. We kind of, we need them. We need them in the wintertime. But it's always fun to support local farmers, support local community, and um, even better yet, grow your own. Next week on the podcast, we'll talk about growing blueberries. They're a little bit trickier, uh, a little bit more gardening technique involved. A little, we have to adjust the soil a little bit to make sure um, they grow right. Plus, most importantly, some good varieties that you can grow in your own backyard. That's next week coming up on Garden Guide Dale K's Big Backyard, How to Grow Blueberries. Okay, the other thing that that happens at this time of year is weather starts to heat up. And we want to make sure that we have all the tools in the toolbox to make sure that our landscapes and our planters and everything that we've planted in the spring months kind of makes it through the summer season. And particularly if we're running short on water or if water is scarce where you are, some things that you can do to uh, mitigate that. Uh, Let's get down to basics on some numbers first. When it comes to watering most gardens whether it's your lawn your landscape they need about an inch of water per week so a lot of um, a lot of plants demand maybe just a little bit more hydrangeas um, just like the name suggests hydro they need water, they're very vascular, they're soft-wooded, they need uh, water to continue to thrive and flourish, um, but for the most part, most landscapes, about an inch of water a week, unless you're 0 escaping where you're actually planning on even less water than that. But if you're in a regular landscape, that's about the key. If you want to get one of those little cans of tuna that are about an inch uh, deep, you can, of course open up the tuna eat that and then set that on your landscape and whatever sprinkler you're using or irrigation system you're using when that gets filled to the top that's your timing for an inch of water a week. So nice little handy tool that you can use if you don't have a rain gauge um, The pokes in the ground to find out when you've uh, reached that that, uh, that, uh, amount of rainfall or irrigation or water for your landscape. The next thing outside of watering, and of course, super important, the other thing with watering uh, before I leave that is make sure you water in the morning. It's the best time to water. Not only will you have less evaporation from the heat of the day, watering in the day, but actually plants don't like sitting in water overnight. So an early morning watering is really, really key or the best time to water. Of course, if that doesn't suit your schedule, go ahead and get your watering done, but in the morning is best. In the evening, uh, I like it the least because you can open yourself up to fungal problems and plants just, uh, they just kind of sit in water for those dark periods. Um, They don't like it. Next best would be during the day, just watch that you, um, just watch the evaporation. You use a lot less water um, watering in the morning. Once you've got your watering taken care of and learning how your containers use water and when the sun comes up and the sun goes down, um, how the sun hits your plants once you've got the watering down some things that you can do um, to keep to retain the moisture of course but prior to planting anything that you can do to amend the soil is absolutely fantastic peat moss compost whether it's store-bought or your own mixed into your soil prior to planting and even if you're using a potting soil you can actually mix in just a little bit of compost not a lot because you don't want to use lose a lot of those draining properties that that potting soil has but just a little bit of peat uh, a little bit of compost just mixed through your potting soil will actually help retain moisture and then in your landscape um, a good thick layer Uh, More than an inch, less than three inches, somewhere in that two to three inch range of a wood mulch really helps keep moisture in your soil where it's needed for plants. Um, And also, if you uh, have a landscape and you don't have an irrigation system to keep it watered, and this is particularly beneficial if it's a new landscape, uh, having a soaker hose is really, really good to keep water right where it's needed at the soil. Instead of having sprinklers that, um, you know, splashed around everywhere. Um, Soaker hoses are really, really good. Now, there are a couple of products on the market that um, will also help water become available or have uh, water accessible for plant roots in lieu of any watering. And one of those products is called Soil Moist. Um, It's the same stuff that's in uh, nappies. That absorbs water from when when babies or even you know I just come to think of it it 's probably the same stuff that 's in adult um, diapers as well, but it 's that same kind of uh, it's a crystal it has a it has a long name it 's polycarbonide, laminide something um, but it's it 's the stuff that 's in nappies you you can actually buy that under the brand soil moist and it's a little white crystal that you can incorporate into your potting soil prior to planting, and plant roots can actually pull moisture from that. Um, you gotta use it kind of sparingly, I think in a 10 inch pot, it's like two teaspoons, it's, you don't need a lot of this stuff. But here's where I like, here's where I like this, and I don't, I have neither, actually I, ha- I don't have one of these, but if I did, I'd use this. If you're up at, if you have a cabin, And you're only there periodically, or you know, you're going out of town for an extended amount of time going on summer vacation this year, I would mix that into my, I would use that in my containers, um, because it actually lasts all season as well, and you don't need a lot of it. And it really does a good job of, uh, keeping soil uh, moisture in soil. So it's called soil moist. If you're lucky enough, I'm not lucky. But if you're lucky enough, you've got a cabin and you want to have some flowers um, on your, uh, what do you call that? The deck? Uh, no, the, the dock. That's it. See, I don't have a cabin. If you want to have some flower pots at the end of the dock, you want to have some flower pots at, at the front entryway, maybe you have some v- fresh veggies or herbs that you want to harvest out there, uh, use Somos in your container. There's another um, little nifty product called Hydrotrain. This is more for lawns and landscapes. Now, I actually have used this of my home because my home was actually built on like a like a sand pit a gravel pit at, at some point so there's really not a lot of deep soil if I had have known that prior to, prior to if I had have known that I might have rethought buying this house being in the industry that I'm in because I struggle bus with 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 uh, sandy soil all the time um, but there's this. Uh, it's called Hydrotrain, It's for lawns and landscapes. It's a blend of food-grade hydroscopic uh, humescence uh, components that kind of manage moisture. And what this stuff does, it's quite, it's quite, um, it's quite ingenious or quite interesting how it works. What it does is it converts soil humidity into usable water. And this stuff is just kind of like a brownish kind of liquid. You buy it and it actually hooks onto your hose, and then you go and water your. Um, your lawn and your landscape preferably after you've just had some moisture but you you use it on your landscape it dials right in you know, there's no mixing no no fuss and um, it actually creates moist usable moisture in the soil and it sticks into all soil types so um, poor soils like clay and sand hello that's me Sandy soils, it kind of locks in there and, and does the job. So uh, that's a, a couple of different things that you can do to help manage water. And then, of course, um, most importantly, know your plants, right? Um, if I go on vacation, what I do is I take all my planters and I get them all together and I pop them under underneath the tree close together. So they kind of help each other keep cool um only buy plants that um are for the right air you know shade sun heat tolerant do your research and maybe we'll talk about also next week uh, we'll talk about heat tolerant plants that might be a good one to cover so we're going to do blueberries and heat tolerant plants that will be on next week's podcast okie dokie so um a couple of things that, a couple of, one important question that came up this year that I was talking to somebody, and I have some questions that came in on Instagram as well, but uh, somebody asked me about pruning, you know, when to prune lilacs, when to prune all those flowering shrubs that bloom in the spring. So those get pruned actually right now after flowering. Good chance that your rhododendrons, your azaleas, your fascythia, magnolia, lilacs, All those early spring blooming plants, you don't want to prune them in the fall because they've already set their buds for this coming or the next season's bloom cycle. So um, they get all pruned right after flowering. So now's the time um, spring has kind of sprung for the most part, I guess. So all those plants that I mentioned, those can get pruned right now. Usually a good rule of thumb if you're shaping up plants, Um, about a third back is, is good. So all those plants like Virgilia, hydrangea, um, what are the rest of, you know, the rest of, well, you probably don't, well, whatever, all those more late seasons, um, blooming shrubs, those, all those guys get pruned in the fall for sure. I covered all the early, um, all the early blooming ones. So let's get to questions and the first one comes from um, Kelly. Tomato suck, uh, tomato suckers. Um, what are they, and do you need to prune them? So, or take them out. And there is a lot of talk about suckers. Some people leave them. Some people take them out. Um, suckers are those are those the growth that comes out of kind of the main stem and the side branch of a tom- of a tomato and they're always growing at like a 45 degree angle, usually a little bit smaller than the rest of the rest of the growth. If you're if you and we talked last week about cages and staking, I'm not for having a tomato cage because of lack of air circulation, but if you have cages on your tomatoes, I would definitely take the suckers out. And actually, you can if you a little fun thing that you can do, little green thumb fun thing that you can do, you can actually um Take your suckers and root them. You can dip them in some rooting powder, and pop them in a pot or pop pop them right in the ground, and they will can they'll be like little clones of your of your tomato plant. Um, maybe even a good little safety net or a late season. Maybe you're having a good stretch of uh, late season weather. Those those guys will actually probably produce some Bruce uh, produce some tomatoes. So, um, I'm more of a structured. Uh, tomato grower where I like some form and structure and some good growth areas for the fruit itself so I'm one of those people that remove um, suckering on especially the slicing tomatoes I don't worry about it on some of the other different you know cherry types and, and so forth I don't I don't get bothered with it really um, but on the slicing tomatoes the bigger tomatoes I remove this remove the suckers and you can just pinch them right in the right where they're coming out of them on that um that joint between the stem and the main branch suckers are easy to tell because they're the ones that are growing out at 45 degrees next question um, what to do about slugs and Kathy noticed uh, uh, slugs already in her garden she didn't mention where she was from but slugs already in her garden a couple of things a couple of things that you can do to mitigate um, slugs the first thing is um, where you have problems or where you have plants that um, slugs like to, to munch on, get a, your just your regular garden hoe and actually kind of uh, cultivate and loosen up soils um, around those plants because that will actually disturb and more than likely break any of the eggs that have been laid um, from slugs. So just just a garden hoe or a cultivator, um and run that up and down, run that through your, your garden beds early in the season before plants emerge. That does a really good job of, of um, breaking up the life cycle of slugs. The second thing that you can do is there's a product called pine straw or pine straw mulch. If you're from the Carolinas or from the south, um, you're very familiar with um, with pine straw we use a wood, we use wood mulches up in this neck of the woods down there they use pine straw mulch but the thing i like about pine straw mulch is it's extremely difficult for slugs to navigate over those over the spiky needles they just it's really if at best they kind of poke themselves on it and impale themselves on the needles at worst uh, or at least they just kind of stay away from um they kind of stay away from pine needles so a good layer of pine needle mulch in and around your hostas and wherever else you're having slug problems is really really good and then last but not least um the best product on the market i think for um a couple of products on the market for getting rid of slugs first one is diatomaceous earth it's a silica it kind of like does the same thing as pine needles kind of slices them up a little bit uh they don't they do not like that and then also there is called there's sluggo which you can uh, liberally um, put around all your plants that uh, slugs like. Um, I've heard of putting beer, coffee, little trays uh, in the ground, and I've tried it all, yada yada. I don't think that's that successful. I think the other ones, uh, the pine straw malts, the sluggo, diatomaceous earth, and disturbing the life cycle are some of the best things for taking care of slugs. All right, time for plant of the week this week um i have one growing in my yard absolutely adore it you see them in the landscapes it's called catinus or smoke tree it's one of those um it's kind of an upright loose spreading multi-stemmed often um, larger deciduous shrub has a really really attractive um burgundy foliage there is actually a chartreuse version of it um, but i like the burgundy foliage ones it's native to europe and china Grows very, very vigorously, uh, rock solid up in this neck of the woods, um, probably where you are as well. Here's the thing with it, though. It actually prefers poor soil. So no need to mess or fuss with your soil. You can just bang it in if you've got poor soil. It yeah, uh, does great. It's also deer tolerant. Deer don't go after it, so that's, um, that may be of importance to you, but without a doubt, it has these billowy hairs this purplish billowy hairs that come out of the flowers and it almost looks like smoke or puffs of smoke really really attractive and uh blooming right now at this time of year and then to boot finally it has some uh, actually quite nice variable fall foliage which is quite nice as well a couple of varieties to keep out uh, keep a look out for at your favorite local garden shop royal purple is the kind of the, the standard um, or the most commonly grown um, variety of smoke bush. There's also one that's out by Proven Winners uh, called Winecraft. And then the other variety that I'm quite fond of is called Grace. So there you have it. That's my plant of the week, Smoke Tree. It has those billowy, smoky flowers right now. Very, very attractive in the landscape. If you have garden questions or you have a favorite plant of the week, drop me a line on Instagram, Dale K. Garden Guy. That does, uh, That's about wraps it up for this week on Garden Guy, Dale K.'s Big Backyard. This podcast is a production of Big Backyard Media with myself and Chip Almquist at the home. Thanks for joining us right here on Garden Guy, Dale K.'s Big Backyard. We'll see you next week. Have a great week.